transformational show about life, laughter, and the pursuit of happiness, delivered by good people doing good business and good things. And I'm your host, Michelle Swinnick. We are your trustworthy resource for sharing personal stories and quality content conveyed with a hint of humor and a supersized side of sincerity. This is our signature segment, The Massey Memo, with our expert contributor, Robert Massey, attorney solution provider and protector of the people at Massey and Massey Attorneys at Law. Robert delivers the Massey Memo on the first and third Fridays of every month. His engaging and entertaining personality gives the boring law just the jolt it needs to make you want to tune in and learn to better play the hand you've been dealt in this game we call life. Enjoy the show. This is our expert contributor segment, the Massey Memo with Robert Massey, attorney, solution provider, and protector of the people at Massey and Massey Attorneys at Law. Robert will be delivering the Massey Memo on the first and third Fridays of every month. And today we're a little off, but we're going to get back on track for the new year. The holidays have been a little hectic, so I hope everybody understands. In all of our episodes, including today's, the 103rd are listed on our website and patriotic purpose-driven platform, everythinghometalkshow.com. Please check it out. Begin to use it as a resource to meet, learn from, and hire the experts, guests, professionals, and members of the Everything Home Socially Conscious Referral Network and Marketplace. They truly are good people doing good business and good things. These are people and companies you can trust to provide quality content and exceptional service. The Massey Memo does have its own page on our website under everythinghometalkshow.com, and it lists every episode of Robert's and all of his information, so that way you can have some great content and learn a few things and also, of course, be entertained. Today's topic, impeachment. What happened to the law? Holiday fun and the year in review. First my joke, then on with the show. The mom says to the daughter, honey, go ahead and make a Christmas wish. And the daughter responds, I wish that Santa would send some clothes to those naked girls on daddy's computer. (laughs) Not quite clean, family fun joke, but I, I read it and I went, Michelle, you can't say that. And then I kept reading jokes about Christmas and they were all dirty. They were actually dirtier than that one. So that was the cleanest Christmas joke that I found on a website that's supposed to have clean jokes. So I thought it was funny. <laughs> oh, Santa and Daddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wanted to bring up our promos for a purpose launch. It's our new program. And what I am now realizing is my purpose of what I'm supposed to be doing. It's an innovative marketing and promotion program to help businesses, corporations, and individuals connect with nonprofit and charitable organizations that reflect their values and beliefs to build proactive partnerships, increase awareness, and create sustainability. The program really does make it easier than ever for businesses to become more purpose-driven and relatable to their clients and customers. Both partners get to share their stories through our signature seven-minute conversation-style interview. There's custom promotional materials. They get reoccurring appearances on our show. There's social media outreach, press releases. They're showcased on our patriotic purpose-driven platform, and they're members of the Everything Home Socially Conscious Referral Network and Marketplace, and so much more. We develop and implement the entire marketing plan, so everything is done for you. It's a great way to support a great cause and promote your business at the same time. And again, it's all about good people doing good business and good things. You can go to our website, everythinghometalkshow.com. There's a tab for promos for a purpose, and it gives you all the information about the program, the packages, and we'd love for you to become a part of it. I brought it up because starting to promote it a lot. And also Robert is doing one for his dad's foundation that they started the Bob Massey foundation. Robert, you want to talk a little bit briefly about the foundation and just make any little announcements before we uh, go into our show. And then of course, we're going to be doing your promos for a purpose of airing probably the first week of January. Yeah, sure. Me and my brother created the Bob Massey Foundation, you know, I will give the certainly the initial credit for the idea to my brother. It was something that uh, right after my dad passed away was something that he wanted to, that he told me he wanted to do. Um, and over the past six, seven months, we've been putting everything together and uh, finally got it launched some you know at least the entity set up for the the tax exemption 
approved. Um, we are currently working on the website, which should be active right after the first of the year. Um, and we're going to have the first inaugural event uh, for the Bob Massey Foundation in kind of mid-2020. And, you know, once the website's launched and we're ready to go live with that, I'll announce, you know, the event and the actual date. Um, but we are uh, going to be – it's going to be for the benefit of two charities that were really close uh, – that my dad was close with and worked with a lot, which are Building Homes for Heroes and Nevada Childhood Cancer Foundation, which is a great local uh, foundation that obviously, you know, helps kids with cancer, uh, getting treatment and doing all these different uh, do things with them. They're a really great organization. I actually, the, the president of that organization, or the chairman of the board, I should say, um, I actually worked for him before my legal career uh, in his pharmaceutical business. Uh, so he's a really great guy. It's a great organization. And my dad worked a lot with them as well. Uh, so the all the proceeds will be distributed amongst those two charities uh, the first year. And yeah, we're excited about it. it uh, you know, again, it was my brother's baby that I've kind of jumped in and and really helped with and to get going. Um, and you know, we're excited for you know to, to help these different charities that my dad really had uh, a lot of did a lot with and really cared about um so yeah it, it's uh you know it's it's somber in a way because of the purpose of why we even created it uh, but at the same time it's nice to be able to you know carry on my dad helped a lot of people so uh, to be able to kind of carry on that tradition through his name is definitely nice well, yeah, and it gives you a chance to be more involved with these organizations. I mean, that's becoming more purpose-driven in your business. So your personal beliefs and values integrate more with your business, and you're, you're sharing that with your clients, your customers, and benefiting these kids and, and the veterans. I mean, it, it's a win-win for everybody, and it makes you feel good, too. You know, when you're doing good things for other people, it makes you feel that you're doing more than just, you know, working every day and making money, that there's some, there's some bigger picture to it all. So I'm, no, absolutely. I'm glad absolutely. that you guys started to do that. And uh, I guess it's rewarding. You know, you're, you're making a difference every day. You're waking up and you're doing just more than fighting the law, you know, it makes you, it makes you feel good too. Absolutely. Um, I'll tell you a funny little story. I think it was like two or three years ago when, before I, I had reached out to your dad. I was going to, I was doing some homework and I was going to stalk him and I didn't even have to stalk him, which was the best part. He was so cool about just picking up the phone and calling me back, but I was prepared to heavily stalk him to get him to come on the show. <laughs> and uh, when I was doing the research, I had looked up and it said that he was a big supporter of building homes for heroes. And they were also on his show, uh, the property man, when they came here to Arizona, they, they uh, went down to Tucson and they gave a home away to one of the, one of the veterans through the organization. And I looked it up and I went, oh my gosh, this is interesting. One of the founding board members, Patrick Embarro, was my baseball coach in third grade, fourth oh, wow. grade and fifth grade and sixth grade. So I, I, was, I went, There's, look at that connection. I was like, oh good, I'll bring that up to him in case he doesn't, he, he gives me a little pressure or a little pushback for coming on the show. I was like, Ooh, I got a good connection to at least let him know that I'm not just a crazy person on a, on a microphone. <laughs> so yeah, I funny. thought that was quite interesting. And his son was a good friend of mine all from, from third grade all the way through high school. So I thought that was kind of a uh, full circle. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It definitely means you're, it's a little sign that you're going, Oh, you're on the right path. Good job. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so let's get into today's topic. I didn't want to make it too heavy, but since it is kind of important and it's all over the news, today's topic, which is our 103rd episode, impeachment, what happened to the law, some holiday funds, and the year in review. So Robert, I'll let you start with some comments about the overall impeachment from a legal standpoint. So obviously it was more politically driven. And it was partisan 
and nothing really good yeah. is going to come up of how they've created this now new way of doing this process. Everyone should be mad about how the politicians handle this. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a political, it, it, this is not a legal process. So when you say the law, I mean, this is not, this is a political, a procedurally political process that's completely controlled by the legislative branch of the government, essentially. And the procedure for it, and again, I'm not a political procedure expert in any sense of the word, so forgive me if this is not a good analogy, but kind of the way I analogize the House's impeachment vote of the president is kind of a pre-trial hearing prior to a, in, in a criminal proceeding to kind of say, okay, this is what we're presenting. This is uh, these are the charges. Is there enough there to go forward with a trial? And then the judge says yes or no. Now there, there's a judge, and here that way that goes forward is by a vote. So you know if the the opposite party's bringing it and they control the House, likely it's going to get approved, and that's exactly what happened. I mean they voted pretty much right on party lines uh, for the impeachment vote. And then the next stage of that of this process is where the the Senate actually has a trial and evidence is presented essentially, and they say – whether or not there's enough there to remove the president from office or not. You know, it, it's a big deal from the standpoint of, you know, impeachment has only happened three times in the history of the United States, obviously Clinton, Nixon, and now Trump. Um, but it's very misleading, especially to the public, oh, the president's been impeached. Yes, but impeachment is the charge. And now him being removed from office would essentially be the sentencing if the if the Senate went through that process and said he should be removed from from office. No president's ever been removed from office. Nixon left, um, I think prior. I think Nixon left prior to the impeachment vote. I don't remember exactly when Nixon left, but I know he left. Clinton obviously got impeached, didn't get removed from office. Um, so you know it, it, the process itself. I think it's confusing to people because they think, oh, he got impeached. Well, yeah, he did, but the chances of him getting removed from office are very slim. Uh, and I think, you know, beyond that, it's – look, I, I, it's interesting from a couple standpoints because I think everybody for the long – whenever this started has said – yeah, I mean the the House will vote to impeach him, but he's never going to get removed from office, and that's probably the case. So then, you know, and I understand that this president raises a lot of emotions with people in different ways, and that's fine. Whatever you know, whatever emotion he brings for you, that's your opinion, and that's fine. But the fact of the matter is, is how many resources? How how much time, how much re and how many resources have been used up by this process when you know when it's pretty certain that he's not gonna get removed from office? And wouldn't those have efforts and time and resources if you want him out that bad, wouldn't have they just been better used of just by just Trying to get him out of office, presenting a good candidate, putting your efforts behind them, and getting out of him out of office in 2020. So, I, I look at it from that standpoint of man, this really is a gigantic gamble that doesn't seem like it's going to pay off in any sense. First of all, second of all, you know, Congress does this a lot where they say, "Hey, look over here." And then when everybody's looking over there, they're doing something over here. And last week, they passed a bill in Congress that affects a lot of people that nobody's talking about. And it caught my attention because it's what I do for one of the parts of the law I do for a living, which is estate planning. And so there is 
obviously everyone knows of IRAs and, and retirement accounts called IRAs. And you can leave a beneficiary on your IRA. And the nice part about IRAs is you can set up an IRA if you give it to a non-spousal beneficiary and they can take money out of I, out of the IRA throughout slowly throughout their lifetime to kind of minimize the the tax effects of the the chunk of money that they're getting from the IRA and then once you hit a certain age um, it was 70, 70 and a half. This bill actually raised it. It was one of the good things of the bill. It actually raised it to 72 and a half. You, are, you, have to take, you must take mandatory distributions. At a certain, you, you have to take the money out of the IRA. So, but you could do it out of a lifetime. So people passing money to their children, it allowed them to take it slowly and not all of a sudden jump them into a higher tax bracket and have to pay this huge chunk of taxes. Well, this bill that passed now changed, <coughs> excuse me, changed it from allowing these non-spousal beneficiaries to take it over the course of a lifetime. Now you have to take the entirety of the money out of the IRA within 10 years. You only have 10 years, so that means within 10 years, you have to take all that money out, and you have to pay all the taxes on it. So if there's someone that passes and this IRA passes to, say, an 18-year-old who doesn't have a job, doesn't have anything, just getting started in college, where before they could spread this out over their lifetime, have money to support themselves, pay taxes slowly, now they have that 10-year gap. They have to pay all the taxes on it. It's going to jump them up to a higher tax bracket. They're going to be paying more taxes. And it's, that is something that affects a lot of people. I mean that affects a lot of people, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it because we're all concentrated over here on the left with this impeachment process, and we're bombarded with it. And, then all the, and this happens all the time with Congress. Go back in history and look at the, you know, when certain bills were passed and what was going on. It happened – all the time, they know certain things may be a little controversial, so they'll pass it through kind of when no one's looking, no one has the time to really start a you know start a ruckus about it and and debate it. So you know it's very interesting that 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 happens and it's it does affect a lot of people. And this impeachment process, I mean, I just. It just seems like a giant waste of resources, in my opinion. No matter how you feel about the president, no matter you're on the left, right, or center, I don't think you can look at this from an, an objective point of view and say this wasn't a giant waste of resources and time and effort and taxpayer money. It's it, He's not going to be removed from office. This was okay. He got impeached by the House. The Senate isn't going to remove him. So we're right back to square one. And now, unless you know somebody jumps out of the woodwork and really takes the Democratic side by hold in regards to candidates they have to present for 2020, now you're going to have Trump that at this point in time looks like he's going to be reelected. So now you're going to have a Trump that was impeached by the House is reelected and now is a lame duck president. So have fun with that. If you if you think he was hard to deal with before, you're gonna hate to deal with him now because now he really doesn't care. Now he really has no reason to placate to anybody, even as little as he does now, because he's not gonna get he's got no chance of being reelected. And I know people say he's not gonna leave office. Okay, let's take all that to the side. Craziness. So like a third and fourth like, term. <laughs> yeah, I, I just feel like the kind of the whole process was to kind of cut off your nose to spite your face. I just don't. I mean, in my opinion, the better procedure would have been let's concentrate on beating this guy in 2020. If we don't beat him in 2020, chances are maybe we can maybe we can gain some seats in the Senate at least in 2020, and then try and impeach him. 
because then maybe if you switch the Senate, then you got a chance of getting the vote in the Senate to remove them. But instead they took this. And also the Senate's already said they're going to do basically everything they can to delay this trial. And the House can't do anything to stop that. They have no – from my understanding, they have no procedural way to, to hurry up the trial, the impeachment trial in the Senate. The Senate can delay, delay, delay. The same way uh, the Congress did with Obama at the end of his term when they were trying to hold off on him nominating another, uh, another Supreme Court nomination – they can push this off and push this off and push this off to where uh, – who knows if it even happens before the election. So it's just – I don't know. I, I well, just, you know, it, I, it, it, they didn't think it through. You know, I, I, for some reason, for – I mean, the, in general, the Democrats are always trying to be very strategic. And they, it seems like that maybe for some reason they thought this was going to be their home run ticket, that – they didn't think through so much of it, especially when it came to just the numbers alone that are in both the House and the Senate. Okay, that's just use common sense right there. And the fact that um, they pushed it through so quickly, not to mention that if the Senate has the complete power, which is actually true, they, they set the precedent for how the trial is going to be and when it goes. The, the, when it goes in, into motion, the, the House has no say in it whatsoever. So as she's waiting for these manager numbers, none of that's real. They can do whatever they want. They don't even have to talk to the House for the most part. But, you know, from a, from a standpoint of the people that are senators that are running for president, <laughs> they didn't think this through from the fact that they have to go whenever they start the trial, which would be probably maybe sometime in January if they do. That's during when the Iowa or close to when the Iowa caucus, I think it was Iowa caucus or the Iowa, the voting for the first round of, of votes go in and then New Hampshire. Well, they have to as senators it's six days a week. And I think it's six hours a day. They have to be in the trial and they can't say anything. So it <laughs> takes them away from being on the campaign trail. And I can't imagine that there's not going to be some pushback from those senators saying you're, you're not going to do this. And it's not because it's going to interrupt me winning or potentially winning Iowa and maybe New Hampshire. So it's almost like they, they, they didn't think that through, or maybe they don't care or uh, so there's a disconnect. I, it's all a of political this, move. You know? It's, oh yeah. But it's, it's a political just, move. You know, I mean, they, the, the people in the house now, can look at all their constituents on both sides and say, well, we did what we were, what we had to do. Either we impeached him or we voted against him being impeached and look at this whole process. They took us through, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the Senate, absolutely. And again, I, I think it's going to get delayed. Uh, and there's certainly people, there's senators in the Senate that are running that are going to have those types of issues. And I just, I'm a resources guy and kind of the best use of resources. And this just, I, I, it's just certainly not the best use of resources, in my opinion, um, which clearly shows that it was a political move. Um, you know, because they, and maybe behind closed doors, maybe they know there's a slim shot that we're getting the White House back in 2020. So let's just try something. Let's throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Maybe, maybe somehow we'll be able to turn enough Republicans to our side where we can actually get this guy out of there. And then we don't have to worry about, you know, doing, uh, getting out of, getting them out, not getting out of there in 2020. I mean, and that certainly could be the case. I just, uh, I don't know. It, it um, it's very interesting to to watch and see, and especially because I mean, every forget about the people on the news and what they say. Everybody's opinion is going to be skewed one way or another. But every single person I've talked to 
in all walks of life, they've all said, yeah, okay, sure. The House will, you know, put the articles of impeachment up and they'll approve it, but he's not getting removed from office. I mean, that's been the narrative all along. Everybody's known they, they'll get the impeachment approved through the House and they will not get him removed through the Senate. And so we're right back at square one. And the fact that that's just such a known thing, there's something obviously else going on there, which it's just a political move. Uh, these people care about keeping their seats. They keep, care about keeping their power. And yeah, do a lot of them hate Trump? Sure they do. But And would they like to get him out of office? Sure. But even if they don't, at least they can stand up and say, well, we did all we could do. You can't blame us. We did all we could do. And, you know, I, I just the, – the entire – Congress and the political party and how everything – we've just gotten to a point where it's almost like people are getting credit for an effort instead of actually doing something, and it's unfortunate. I mean people are sent to Washington to actually do something, to actually get things done for the people that they represent, Um, and – We've kind of now accepted as a society that, man, it's really hard to get things done. I I just want somebody to give it the old college try, and that's just a sad commentary on our system, unfortunately. And um, but it's where we're at, I guess. Well, when we've talked about that on on previous shows, I mean, the politicians, they they love to piss away our money, and they're very good at spending our money and not making any progress. So part of the whole, and you're bringing up the resources. I mean, I just tired of seeing them just waste our money and waste our time and not doing the getting something accomplished, you know, it, 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 but it keeps happening and happening and happening. And one of the other shows we were talking about, you know, personal responsibility, we keep voting them in and it just seems, it just seems to get worse when you, you would think, you know, like even the, even the candidates that are running on the Democratic side, they just want to keep spending more trillions of dollars. Well, we don't have any more money to be spending. There has already been enough spent. Uh, we don't need any more new programs. They need to clean up the mess that they already have. I mean, there was a the Paul, uh, who is it? Uh, Senator Senator Paul Rand. Rand, yeah, Rand. He does a waste, fraud, and abuse report every year and it was 50 billion dollars it's a lot of money and that didn't even count the what the cost of this stupid impeachment trial or not even trial just the hearings alone so you know as far as resources it just it's aggravating everybody should be mad that that's all that they do is they waste a lot of time and they spend a lot of money and they go for their own agendas rather than and like you said trying to keep in power or trying to, to to move the the ball forward in their own for their own agendas has nothing to do with us. But then again, we voted for them. But um, as we talked before, who really wants to run for office if you have to deal with this crap when it's just you <laughs> successful people that are really good at doing what they do? Why would they put this subject themselves to even running to have to be just you know abused on Twitter? <laughs> because you're actually good at what yeah. you do. You know, it's not worth it. Like who wants to go through that knowing that you can make a lot more money doing what you're doing and you can help more people. Uh, so yeah, why go through all this crap? It, it, so it makes it, you know, it's like, where do, how do we fix this to get these bodies out? So you can get, you can get something accomplished. It's just frustrating, you know, and limits. feel helpless, feel helpless. Term limits. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I've I, always been I agree with you. in term limits for Congress. I mean, it has become – Congress has become a business in the standpoint of if you're there long enough and make your, and make a, enough of a name for yourself, you can make a lot of money, probably not as much as you could in the private sector if you had a successful business or company, you know, people that maybe we would like uh, to be there or maybe would have been there in the past. But you know, if you establish a stronghold – um, you know, like Pelosi did, like McCain did when he was alive, uh, Mitch McConnell, these guys that have been there for so long, um, 
all of a sudden they you know they go in without a lot of wealth and they come out all, all of a sudden they're worth oh millions thirty forty millions fifty dollars. million dollars and it's like well well yeah, how that happen your, your your congressional your congressional salary is uh, is whatever it is one hundred and sixty or two hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that I forget exactly what it is um, so how exactly are you worth yeah, how does that how does that match up? Even if you saved every single dollar, <laughs> it still doesn't you know, work. The math so, never works. Yeah, so it's it, it's uh, the fact that we allow these congressmen and congresswomen to make a lifetime career out of it. It's built for it not to for for nothing to get done because again, you got. The way districts are drawn and people in districts, you know, they, they're not going to be opposed. They they don't barely they don't really have to even spend really maybe even a lot of money to get reelected because no one's going to oppose them. Um, so they don't have anything to worry about. They're just going to keep getting reelected, reelected, reelected. So if you have if you have complete job security, then what, why would you? Why do anything? You don't have to work. Why, why would you they make the work. extra effort? Yeah. Exactly. Why? Yeah. Why would you make the extra effort? Where in turn, if if you know you're going to be somewhere for, you know, maybe you, you have, whatever the term limits are, to you know, for three, four terms, whatever it might be, you would at least try to get. You're going to try and maximize your time at that point, and whether you're ma- trying to maximize your time. For your own benefit or someone else's benefit, um, it, it, it's it, it's at least forcing them to maximize the use of their time, knowing that all right, we have this window of time to do this, either to make a name for ourselves or actually do something uh, that's impactful for people. So I'm, we're really going to do this. We're going to make time. We're we're going to make strides to to accomplish this. But with the way it is now. They, they they can just hang out, sit around, make their money, and not worry about that. Oh, we're really not getting anything done that's meaningful, in the you know. Um, so it's uh, I I think that that's I'm a big believer in term limits in regards to uh, congressional positions, but yeah, but the that's problem a is long way away. That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> The problem is, though, people that have to pass the law to put the term limits are the same people that would be putting the term limits on themselves and cutting their job short. So unless somebody else gets involved uh, and somehow we restructure it, maybe it's on the ballot, um, I don't see how they're going to ever cut short their time of not having to work and make a lot of money. So I'm not sure how that needs to happen. Maybe there's a petition that the people need to start, you know, or... Something along those lines, but yeah. And I was listening was to like, another show, and this guy had a great—he had a great idea um, to do. You know, we'll do statewide uh, ballot initiatives each year. We'll have a couple questions, this, that, and the other. But on like for like big, this would probably never happen. But I thought it was a good idea. You know, on big issues, federal bills, things like that, and pick out you know, maybe three or four each election cycle that are actually on the ballot in every single state and everybody votes on it. And whatever that is, whatever, whoever wins that vote, whatever, you know, yeses versus noes, that bill either passes or it doesn't pass. And I thought, that's a fantastic idea, but at the well, same time, you're now sense. just making the legislatures, you're making the legislators job irrelevant now if you're going to actually give it give the decision making process straight to the people instead of their supposed representatives you've taken them out of the loop so you've got to believe they're going to fight against that with everything they can <laughs> but i thought man that would be and, and again even if you just limit it not not even take away their complete jobs but just say okay these three or four issues we're gonna we're gonna send out this election season for a countrywide vote and let the majority win. I mean, I think that's a fantastic idea, especially for, you know, certain big controversial issues that just get tied up 
and just so highly politicized, just let the people speak for themselves. And it's that's the the process in place is supposed to allow the people to speak for their, for themselves through their representatives. But again, unfortunately, that uh, has kind of diminished over the past twenty, thirty years. That's for sure. Yeah, when when money got too intertwined with this and agendas and so much power attached to something as what you would think a, a small district in the House where there's there's so much of an upside attached to it, and they got the the power to the people and anything that has to do with making sure that decisions were made on their behalf has gone out the door because it's all about a personal agenda at this point but um yeah I, I, the states yeah. do it i don't see why the federal should couldn't do it but yeah it would be be interesting if the first one that we could get on there would be <laughs> term limits i think that would be a big uh big right there in your face to everybody um but i, I well, do have one, you, you know, the, go ahead. I, I have one question for you though on on the impeachment stuff so and I'm not sure if this is if this is part of law or this is actually part of process because the whole thing is not necessarily in law. It's very vague and it's always just set on the on the, on the precedent. But if in order to get your supposed this is supposed to and this is the way it I'm, this is the way I've I've heard that it was designed by the founders that there has to be high crimes and misdemeanors. High crimes and misdemeanors that's a crime. So that would be something that we were breaking the law, correct? Right? That's that's breaking the yeah. law. So if if this, these two articles that they sent through with the impeachment did not charge him with a crime, then how does it even fit the criteria of high crimes and misdemeanors or it doesn't really matter? And this is what I was bringing up earlier that if if it doesn't fit that criteria, there's no Nothing that can be done prior to wasting yet more time to do a trial in the Senate because there was nothing there that was that the law was not broken. So, I mean, is there and I haven't dug deep into that. It seems like you should be able to petition to have this thrown out in court and not waste any more time or even go to a trial because if there was no crime, then you've not broken the law. And now it's just based on I don't like you. But yet you still have this black mark on your record, you know? Yeah, and again, you know, that's where it became a very political decision. I mean, obviously, the biggest thing was the obstruction uh, charge. Um, But when it goes into the Senate, it becomes a much more legal uh, setting because I believe the chief judge uh, presides over the uh, the trial. Yeah, the chief, excuse me, chief justice um, presides over the trial, so it becomes a more of a legal process again. Where, and I'm sure that's going to be one of the main defenses that uh, Trump's people put forward that hey, this this doesn't even meet the criteria. Uh, but that's where again, it, when you're when it's going through the House, it's a far more uh, political process. And the, the Senate, the, the politics of it stays there. Don't get me wrong, but it is a, it is a trial. I mean, so there is a legal aspect to it once it gets into the Senate. Um, but I'm sure that's going to be one of the main defenses that that's brought forward that these things that that happened um, shouldn't even have risen to the level of of an impeachment vote and don't qualify as an impeachable uh, an impeachable offense. You know, I think, look, at the end of the day, let's not sugarcoat it here. What was done on the phone call is done constantly. constantly. Oh, everybody does it. It's, That's how you have to get things it's done. Just, and it's, yeah, it's, it's the way, just, that's the way the, the world the works. It, but the difference is, is most, <laughs> most presidents are are enough of politicians uh, that they shield themselves from any connection. They'll do it through three or four layers of intermediaries to make sure it can never be tied back to them. Unfortunately, you know, (laughs) what is Trump? Trump's an old school New York real estate guy. That's what he is. 
So an old school New York real estate guy is going to pick up the phone and say, I want this. And if I don't get that, this is what's going to happen to you. That's what he does. That's what he knows. <laughs> okay? Hey, but what it works, man. I, I think, yeah, it's, so, but, but it's a I'm great saying, tactic. You know, so, we're si- so we're saying, oh, this is so terrible. Come on, let's not act like not every per- every president, every person in Congress hasn't done the quick pro quo. I mean, that is what politics is built on. Mm-hmm. It is what it's built on. So, you know, this is more about... Number one, if you're going to do it, let's be a little bit more covert about it, not not so blunt <laughs> in your face about it. And it, they're doing it because they want him out of there. It's just that simple. I mean, come on. There's been – I mean, I just watched that movie Vice about Cheney. Go look at the stuff he was doing. He never got impeached. And let me tell you, the stuff he was doing was – crazy compared to what Trump's doing. So, and you can go back in, in on either side, Republican and Democrat, look at all this stuff there. It's like, you know, I just don't want to hear like all of a sudden we pulled back the curtain and people are like, I can't believe this is what happened. Come on, man. Come on. You're an adult. You know how things are done. Should he have done it personally on the phone? So he, No, he shouldn't have. That was very stupid. But all this, all this is the result of it. I just, again, no matter how you feel about him on one way or the other, from an objective standpoint, it just seems like a giant waste of time. Agreed. And people should be mad at that it happened uh, when it shouldn't have happened. And uh, time and money was heavily wasted. That's where people should be mad, regardless of how you feel about him and what happened. It's the fact that this is what our people that we elected in office to do have. It's like the, the inmates are running the asylum. That's how I, that's how I feel. It's just complete chaos. But anyway, let's, let's do a little Christmas, a little year in review. Um, talk about a little more uplifting things. So is, uh, as I was, we were talking off the air, you were, you were saying that your kids are more into quantity versus quality yes. when it comes to gifts. It's almost like you should uh, wrap up everything individually, even though it's you know like a Lego set. Do you, <laughs> would, if they each, yes. each block was was individually wrapped, would it go over better because the pile <laughs> was bigger? <laughs> you could trick them that be, way. If I went and bought them the most uh, elaborate iPad or something like that and just gave them that with a couple other things. They just don't have the ability to kind of conceptualize uh, quantity versus quality at this point. So I, I'm just much better off going to the dollar store and buying them a hundred things right. and right. wrapping them all individually than buying them something worth a hundred dollars. So that's kind of the, the tax that the, uh, they they want to rip up a lot of a lot of wrapping paper essentially. They 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 don't want to be cheated out of their wrapping paper ripping time on Christmas morning. So <laughs> um, that's kind of the tact that me and my wife have taken this year of just getting them a bunch of little things and uh, you know they're not at that age yet where they want the craziest most expensive thing you know and they, that's what they're asking for they kind of don't they just want stuff so then my house gets filled up with more stuff not like they don't have enough already um but you know it's uh it, it's funny to see but at the same time it's they're getting to an age where um I can at least start explaining to them, you know, this is, look, I've been very fortunate in my life. I was raised by a great family who, uh, you know, my dad made a good living and, and was always able to provide for us. And thankfully so far I've been able to provide for my family. Um, and so they, they, this is what they know. They don't really understand. And this is my job to make them understand as a parent that, Hey, this is not, the norm. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, this is not normal, children, so don't make fun of your friends yeah. at school. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, this is, uh, you know, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people all, you know, that wake up on Christmas morning to absolutely nothing or just one present or, um, you know, things like that. So, um, because, you know, most of the time when you give a little kid a, and he gets a big box and he opens it up and it's clothes, he's like, well, what the hell is this? I didn't want clothes. Yeah, I, I wanted want another clothes. toy. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, uh, being now, you know, two of my kids being at an age where I can have those conversations with them, like, hey, you know, you need to be very appreciative of every single thing that you get because uh, not everybody gets it. Um is nice and and it's uh, frustrating from the standpoint that you know my daughter definitely gets it and is very good about it. But my son, somebody gave him some pajamas the other day and he was like, "This is it!" And then he threw the pajamas. So apparently, I am doing a fantastic job as a father <laughs> and, and really teaching him well. Um, but so me and him had to have a little heart to heart after that. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a fun, you know, it's a fun time of year. This, you know, this year kind of sucks because of my dad not being here for the first time, but uh, got to keep it going for the kids because they know it's Christmas time and they want to do the stuff that Christmas time comes with. So, um, yeah, they, they will have a, a bunch of little things on Christmas morning, and my youngest daughter will just butt scoot around the room and tear up wrapping paper because <laughs> she doesn't know what's going on anyways. So. <laughs> now, have they, uh, in your years of being a Santa, have there been a toy that was extremely popular that they had to have and you had to go through ridiculous things to a comp to to go ahead and find it, or do you remember if there was one for you? I mean, I remember the big thing back when we were young was Cabbage Patch Kids, and then the Cabbage Patch Kids also came with a pet called a Kusa, and it was impossible to buy the Cabbage Patch Kids. You just they weren't at the store, or because the trucks weren't even getting to the store, they were getting taken on other routes, <laughs> so people were. Basically, wow. they were falling off the truck in order to, you had to pay cash and you had to buy the, you had to get it at the, whoever the guy was that had the truck route so that you could get the doll. So, I mean, <laughs> my yeah. mom somehow pulled it off where she ended up, <laughs> the story is kind of funny, where she ended up having to go, somehow she talked to somebody, to somebody, to whatever. I mean, this is New Jersey, so that's kind of how it's done there. Maybe they didn't. Oh, Vegas, you got all kinds <laughs> of criminals in Vegas, too. So, you know, this is old school Jersey back in the 80s where somehow she's trying to track down how do I get the, oh, I, okay, here's the story. So she's in the toy store, and there was a toy store in town called Rick's Toys. So she's in the, in the store. And she's asking the lady at the counter, you know, I need to get Cabbage Patch Kids. And the lady starts laughing. She goes, you can't get Cabbage Patch Kids. She goes, no, well, I, you know, I need to get three. I've got three kids and I need those three of those Kusa things, which is their little pet. And she goes, yeah, well, you can't get them. They're not even getting into the store. They're, they're, there's just, it, it's insane. So then all of a sudden my mom hears this lady down the aisle goes, hey. <laughs> she goes, hey. My mom turns around. She goes, you need a Cabbage Patch Kid? She goes, yeah. She goes, yeah, I need three. She goes, come here. So she walks down the aisle and this lady says, all right, you got to go to this location. Here's where the truck goes. <laughs> da, 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 da. And it's going to cost you $300 per Cabbage Patch Kid. My mom's like, no, oh Mike. My mom's like, all right, I'm in. Just tell me where I got to go. I'll go get the cash. Not a big deal. So that's how we ended up getting our Cabbage Patch Kids. That's, yeah. It was like that. Yeah. Uh, it's oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. It's like that Jingle All the Way movie where he has to go to oh, that totally real. shady oh, yeah. Santa. Oh, yeah. just shady. Yeah. Oh, shady. That's yeah. Funny. So she's you know, the lady. I, yeah. So she's like a scout in the aisle, you know, cutting deals and then directing everybody to this whatever. So, you know, she went there. She met the guy, and there was other people there. You know, other crazy parents with their three hundred dollars in cash, and the guys literally selling it off the back of a truck. And it was the truck that actually came from wherever the toy was coming from. You know. 
that's a good thing about the eighties. They don't. I don't think they have that kind of stuff anymore. Where you have to go to those means to to get your kids the popular gift, right? You didn't have to do it. Yeah, that. no, there's. Yeah, but, you know, there's really if there is like a have to have toy this year, I I don't know about it. My kids don't want it. The, the most recent one I can kind of remember from my childhood, but it wasn't something that I was or I was too old for it at this point. Um, but I do remember the craze over the Tickle Me Elmo. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one could find it. Everybody had to have a Tickle Me Elmo, and no one could find it. No one could find it. And that was kind of the last one that I remember kind of toy-wise. Um, the only thing I can kind of relate it to for this year is my oldest nephew, who's 13, um, and is a big sneakerhead, loves shoes. And last year I got him a pair of these Nike uh, Off-White. Off-White's another brand, and Nike collaborated with them, and they're very popular shoes. Um, And I got him a pair. And this year there was like three new ones that came out last week, and I tried to get him a pair. And they sell retail for like 150 bucks but as soon as as soon as they're bought by someone um and they're sold because most people just buy them to sell them on a third market on a secondary market excuse me uh, they go up to like 700 a pair that's insane and those pairs that sold for 150 that sell for like three thousand dollars a pair (laughs) um so you know i tried to get them i tried to a retail forum and I couldn't do it and so now I the, the other side I went to that were reselling them they were on sale for like 750 bucks and I was like sorry bud you're, you're out of luck <laughs> yeah, that ain't gonna happen yeah <laughs> Uncle Robert's <laughs> not going there bud so uh you know that I, I think it happened interestingly enough it happens nowadays I think a lot more with with shoes especially um and uh some clothing brands that sell out real quick and people can't get, it's not much, uh, you know, toy. I think kids kind of stop playing with toys a lot earlier than they used to, uh, because now they have so much other stuff to play with. They got phones and iPads and video games and they don't want that tangible toy. They just want, you know, some type of digital thing to play with and then clothes and shoes and, uh, so kind of that innocence is lost a little sooner nowadays. But, uh, yeah, thankfully, I haven't had to uh, bribe someone and get them some shady deal <laughs> right. to some warehouse or something like that. <laughs> right. to try and You're down something. on the strip on some, you know, obscure road, <laughs> yeah. try, you know, meeting in the middle of the night. Yeah. So yeah. Well, thankfully, yeah. you, don't have to, you don't have to go down that route anymore. But the good thing is, is, as there is this insanity, like you've got these sneakers that are going out of control in price, that means the economy's good. So, you know, I, I'm I'm cool with that as long as the economy's good. Everybody's making money, people are buying stuff, they're they're spending money in a in a non logical way. More power to them, you know. Let's just keep this thing <laughs> rocking and rolling. I, <laughs> go yay! So and then and then you want to yeah. impeach this guy Trump when you got a good economy, you're paying seven hundred dollars for a pair of sneakers that you bought from somebody off the internet. I mean, come on now. <laughs> Where's the logic in that, people? <laughs> everybody's everybody's having a good time. Oh man! Uh, oh man! So any other any, you want any other funny Christmas stories or something else that you want to bring uh, into the audience to share to to uh, to wrap up the season today? You know, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, <laughs> Christmas stories that have happened in my life that usually involve me just having to have something for Christmas, just absolutely having to have it. And then once I get it, I could care less about it after a week. And then my dad literally screaming at me and saying, all right, I'm selling it. I'm giving it to somebody else. And a lot of times he would. He would just take it from me and give it to somebody else. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, nothing, nothing specific coming to mind. Just wish everybody a Merry Christmas. I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas, a very good, uh, new year, a safe new year, a safe Christmas. Um, most importantly, 
stay safe on the roads. This is a time of year where there are a lot of accidents. I know here in Las Vegas over the past, God, it seems like every night for the past two weeks when I look on the news, it's a fatal crash, fatal crash, fatal crash. So please be careful um, and have a happy Merry Christmas and a happy uh, New Year. If you unfortunately, hopefully not, are, but if you are in an accident, please give me a call, 702-870-1100. Uh, and, again, our main area of practice is personal injury, car accident cases, and business uh, business law, real estate law, wills, trust, estate, and probate can help you with any of those areas. Uh, so please give us a call if you need anything. Uh, we'll put you... Uh, I'll give you more information on the foundation when it comes to fruition. And, uh, yeah, I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and Merry Christmas to you, Michelle. I hope you have a good holiday. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's going to be a quiet time, but at least it's non-working time. And uh, I'm going to be seeing my uh, brother and cousins and perhaps my uncle. So uh, it'll, it'll be, it'll be a nice time to just kind of, enjoy quality company uh so i wish your family a very merry christmas tell your mother i said hello and a happy new year you guys have some exciting stuff planned so it'll be fun a fun story for when we come back on january 3rd with our show there you'll have uh hopefully there's hopefully there's no injuries on your guys end where you have to use your own services in order to clean up from the holidays um, exactly. But I will, uh, and we've got some really great shows planned for everybody. We're going to make sure that we stick to the first and third Fridays of every month. So then that way you can always rely on the Massey Memo. Uh, and obviously, if there's anybody, anybody wants to do, give us topic suggestions or questions, you can, you can contact us. You just all of the information is on our website, everythinghomtalkshow.com. You can also follow us on social media. You can follow Robert at Massey and Massey uh, Associates at Law and contact us through uh, any of the Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those platforms and tell us what you want to, what you want advice on or what you want some information on. So we're always open up for suggestions and I will leave, leave you guys with a funny little story. It was at Christmas. It's not necessarily a Christmas story, but we were very young. And you know, those little tables, I don't know if you even had these, Robert, there was always like a little table for kids. And you, you know, you, oh, at yeah, holidays, absolutely. you would have the, the kid table, but we had this little table. And back in the seventies, I mean, things were made out of particle board. There was it's not like any of the nice new stuff that they got out now for kids. So you had these little chairs and it was just a little table. And we would have, sometimes we would eat eat there we would do our little projects so we were having pancakes and it was Christmas morning and my brother was trying to cut his pancake okay you know a pancake it's not really a lot of work but he's just you know (laughs) especially when he was young he was not all there right (laughs) there was always Frankie was always a little off well so anyway so he's cutting the pancake and my brother goes and he has that he has the knife upside down Okay. And not, like I said, effort's not a lot. So he has a knife upside down. He's trying to cut the pancake and he's getting frustrated and he's getting angry. And you could just see him. You're like, because he can't get the pancake to cut. So my brother goes, Frankie, turn it over. And he, this is Frankie, you'll understand. He picks the pancake up and turns the pancake over <laughs> because he thought that turning it over, not with the knife, which was upside down. It was the pancake was the problem. <laughs> of course. So that sums up. Yeah, that sums up Frankie. He's also the same kid that when we drive down dead end streets and he'd see the sign, he thought we were going to die. So he would start screaming. And then my parents would purposely drive down dead end streets and go, Frankie, look where we are. And then he would be like, no, it's a dead end. No, we're going to die. And then everyone in the car would laugh. So, yeah, there we that's yeah, but, pretty funny. Yeah, well, sometimes you, gotta, you, got, you got material to work with. You got to, you know, it's enjoyment for the four of us. So <laughs> let him cry for a little. Absolutely. He's going to cry anyway for some reason, right? He's going to, yeah, something's well going something's gonna to get him. Something's going to bother him. So <laughs> Miles will use it to our advantage and have some fun with him. So those are two, exactly. two little fun stories for everybody. All yeah, right, Robert, you uh, enjoy the holidays. We'll be back on the third. And. It's going to be an exciting 2020 for sure. It's when it can mess you out. Absolutely. 
another great episode with my good friend, Robert Massey. Robert will be delivering the Massey Memo on the first and third Fridays of every month. All of our guests and experts' information and their shows are listed on our website, everythinghometalkshow.com. We encourage you to check it out and begin to use it as a resource to meet, hire, and learn from good people doing good business and good things. Just click anywhere on their banners and enjoy the show. You can also listen and subscribe to Everything Home on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and Blog Talk Radio. We're making it very easy and convenient for you to listen to us and enhance the quality of your life. And remember to like and follow Everything Home Talk Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And feel free to send us an email or message on which topics you want to hear about and which guests you want to learn from. I appreciate you listening. Make it a great day, everybody.